precious Father, we want to thank you for the privilege we have tonight to study your word again, the word that makes us wise, the word that equips us to live successfully in this life and to serve you acceptably. Thank you, merciful Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, we are doing, studying the fight, fight the good fight of faith, part two. Our text is 1 Timothy 6.12 and Ephesians 6.11, the text we, we used the last time. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed <clears throat> the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Ephesians 6.11, put on God's whole armor, the armor of a heavy armed soldier, which God supplies. I want you to note that this armor is supplied by God, not by men, that you may be able successfully to stand up against all the strategies, watch what you are up against, the strategies and the deceits of the devil. But we are not wrestling with flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the despotisms, against the powers, against the master spirit who are the war rulers of this present darkness, against the spirit forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural sphere. So we started last week to show that the one fight that takes care of all of this, right, is the fight of faith because your faith is your victory. If you lose your faith or your faith is compromised, you lose everything. And so we, are, we, we said we need to know what we are up against. It's not like a physical confrontation. So we are, against, <clears throat> we are up against the devil's schemes and tricks and traps. The, the, the scriptures say God will deliver us from the traps of the Father. His traps and mind manipulations, which is so dangerous, and he does it all the time. Mind manipulations, giving people fantasies. Oh, you're going to die. This is not going to be better. And you see all manner of terrible, terrible scenarios, which he paints. And if you focus on those scenarios and accept them, that will be the outcome of those situations. But it doesn't have to be so. So we are... We're talking about, uh, you know, the fantasies and thoughts, imaginations. The Bible calls it the stronghold. Imaginations of which are always contrary to the truth that is in Christ Jesus and that's revealed by the Holy Spirit scriptures. All these things he's doing are all lies. We must know he's a liar. All these things are all lies. But he presents them in the seeds to look like the truth. And then also we are dealing with despotic acts. Despotism is... Act of uh, of um, of um, a person like a ruler, a, a wicked ruler um, who, who who some of these like these people that caused Second World War, you know, there's a terrible ruler who, who rules by force and oppresses people, a dictator, you know, despotic acts are oppressive activities of a, a dictatorial person who is wicked. So he, he, he acts in cruelty and oppression and wickedness. So we're dealing with demonic despotism that is carrying out in causing people uh, all, manner of, all manner of pain, sickness, oppressions, suicidal tendencies, marriage, breaking marriages, destroying careers, destroying lives. All those despotic acts are all what he is doing and that the church is up against to deal with. So, but the answer to all of this is to know the truth and act on it, meaning to fight to keep your faith in Christ, your faith in the power of God, your faith in the authority that God gave you, your faith in the word of God that assures you how these things really, really are. We must know and have confidence in the authority that God has given you as a Christian. 
to use against all these things. So Paul began to teach the church and write to the church, praying for the church, that the church will understand their authority in Christ. Because if we don't understand our authority in Christ, we won't use it. And even when we understand that they shallow, we'll not use it properly. And so Paul wants Christians to understand their authority in Christ, which is very necessary to carry out his work on earth of overcoming all of this demonic spirit. And Paul wants the church to know that all of these demonic spirits are under their feet, that they are under inferior to the authority that God has given them. He was praying that the church should know these things. And so in Ephesians 2, 4, it says, But God still loved us with such great love. He is so rich in compassion and mercy. Even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, he united us into the very life of Christ and saved us. By his wonderful grace, verse 6, he raised us up with Christ. Paul said, this is the truth. You say, but how could I have him there? Because, listen, what God doesn't know doesn't happen. So if God didn't see you in Christ, you will never be saved. It means you will never be saved. But God saw you in Christ because he knew you would be saved. He knew you would be saved. He saw you there. You can't say, oh, I got saved and God didn't know. No, he knew you would be saved. He knew. So he saw you there. He started talking about you before you accepted Christ. And everything he said about you came to, came to, came to uh, materialize. That's why I have people who give prophecies of things to come. So he was talking about you. Saying that in verse 5, Ephesians 2, 5. Even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, yes, but God knew we saved, saw you. He united us in, into the very life of Christ and saved us. You were not saved then, but he saw you, that you are going to be part of the body of Christ. You will accept it because God knows everything. He knows where we are going to end up in life. So in verse, in verse 6, he raised us up with Christ, which has happened when you came to Christ. All these things became the reality in your life. So he raised us up with Christ, the exalted one, and we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. For we are now co-seated as one with Christ. Like we were explaining last week, it's important that you understand that you are not just a churchgoer. You are a member of the body of Christ. Very, very crucial truth. No, not just at the good church. You must understand what church is. You are a member of the body of Christ. Where the head who is Christ sits, that's where the body sits. You can't have Jesus truncated. You cut off the head and say the body is different. No, it's whole. So he said, we, we ascended with him and we sat where he sat because we are part of his body. Then in, but the, the, if you go to Ephesians 1 from verse 18, you are going to come to verse 20 that will now show you exactly what this thing is talking about. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light. You see, he's praying that understanding will come so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those who, who he called his holy people, which are his rich inherit and glorious inheritance. You must know the confident hope, expectation that you have because of what Christ has done for you. Not, not hopelessness, confident hope, confident expectation, confident. You are sure that this is true. And because of this, this is what I expect out of it. Verse 19. I also pray that you will understand, the church will understand the incredible greatness of God's power. Man, of God's power. That's why demons flee from us. The Christians flee from demons. Incredible. 
greatness of his power to us, what? Walking towards us, walking in us, walking through us, who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his right hand in heavenly places. He set Christ, he raised him from the dead. He said, this power is the very power that raised Christ from the dead and all the powers of hell wanted to thwart God's plan. They have always been doing that. They have always been wanting to thwart God's plan. Remember Paul, God called him to preach the gospel. The devil planned with some people to relay him on the road and kill him and thwart that plan. But God used a small child to, to review what they were planning and say, Paul, so they, they wanted to, they were, so, they were so desperate that they inspired people to put stone. They think stone will stop Jesus from rising. So but God raised him from the dead. Demonstrated to the whole world that all of these powers put together don't amount to anything. God just messed them up big time. Demonstrated it publicly. So he said, that same power is what God's probably experienced that the church should know how great this power is. How great which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. When we talk of heavenly places, he's talking of spiritual realm, of places that are not of this earth. But in this situation, he's talking about kingdom of God in heaven. So we were raised with him and we are seated with him at his own right hand in heavenly places. And don't forget now that we are seated there and as we are seated there, all this all these powers are under our feet. Let me go back and read Ephesians 2 again, verse 6. He raised us up with Christ, the exhausted one, and we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm, for we are now co-seated as one with Christ. Now, in Ephesians 1, verse 21, now he is far above. See what is under your feet, child of God, enumerated for you to understand. Now he's far above, and so you too, you are far above because you're seated with him, above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, church, but also in the world to come. Any power, any ruler, all, above all principality, power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Whether it's named in water, named, named, named on the land, named, named no matter what they call that name, any name that is named, but it belongs to all these, all these demonic things. All of them, principality, power, might, dominion, and every name that is named, whatever they call it in your village, whatever they call it in mommy water, whatever they call it, Whatever it, whatever they call it, not only in this world, but also that which is to come, the next verse, and have put all things under his feet. He's the head, where the body. The, the feet does not, you can't find my feet in my head. My feet is on my body. So when he talks of feet, he's talking about you, the church. All these things have been put under, under your feet and given him to be head over all things to the church. Verse 23 says, 23, 23, verse 23. Ephesians 1, verse 23. And the church, which is his body. Which is his body. If you look at my body, where is my feet? My feet is not here. My feet is down here. So when you put things under my feet, you're putting it under my body. Jesus' body on earth is his church. And all these things were put under the feet of his, the feet is in the body. 
that's, that's what the Spirit of God is pointing us to. That all these powers have been put under our feet, under our authority. All of them. All of them. I don't care, the, I don't care what they call them. I don't care who they are. I don't care how they operate, whether they blow smoke, don't blow. All of them under my feet and your feet. Great is his body, the fullness of him. Oh, man, the fullness of him that filleth all in all in his glory. Jesus, the son of the living God, fills his church with his presence. It's a place of his habitation. It's a place of his presence. Now, how do we exercise this authority? Now, let's remember that if we don't exercise this authority, we will allow this, all these spirits to be. There's no other thing that handles them except the authority that God gave to the church. If we don't exercise it, they'll be doing all this, all this despotism, all this deceit, causing people suicide, coming, destroying lives. It is a sacred responsibility of the church to use this authority that God has given us to exercise the will of God on earth. You can't shy away from it. You can't, you, it, this is, it, it's not even optional. It is not optional, child of God. If you don't, you're giving the devil freedom to roam around and destroy this, this world. So we must learn how to use this authority by using the word of God and, the, and the authority, or this authority that is vested in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, number one, you must learn to resist the devil, devil's attack, and his mind gives. You, you, you must learn to do so. And you, you, it's easy to know what the devil is doing. The Bible said the thief cometh to steal, to kill, destroy. Anything that steals, kills, destroys is the devil. It's not God. It's easy to know. Very easy to know. First Peter 5, 8, be well balanced and always alert, church. Always alert. Some people don't think, they don't think that they, they don't even think there's a devil and they're Christian. They're not alert. They should do whatever they want to do. Be well balanced and alert and always alert is the instruction. Because your enemy, the devil, roams around incessantly, which means tirelessly, like a roaring lion looking for his, its prey to devour. Verse 9, take a decisive stand against him and resist his every attack with strong, vigorous faith. Learn to say no. And if it's insistent, you too should be insistent. If I'm chewing something, I'm not going to swallow it until I finish chewing it. My, my, my scissors, my incisor, my premolar, my molar, the one that, 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 is, that is like the big thing that you know, grinds food, I start cutting it with my scissor. The incisor cuts the smaller one. Then the premolar grinds. Then the molar finally deals with it until it goes through that process. I'm not going to swallow it. So until you're done, you can't, you can't stop chewing. You just can't stop chewing. So we must learn to resist him. As long as he's pushing you, you got to put your feet down and push harder. In this thing, there is no room for weakness. Oh, you, you, can't, you can't give the devil any reason to think that, that you, you, you're giving up. No, 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 no. You must convince him he's wasting his time. And you are prepared to deal with him. It's not joking matter. You don't have to agree with him. You must, you must insist on not agree. All those mind games he's playing, all those fantasies he's showing you, oh, this will happen. You don't agree with that. Because that's not God. So Amos 3, 3 say, can two work together except they be agreed. Now, the devil can't do anything unless you agree with him. He wants your agreement desperately. But that's why you can say, no, I'm agreeing with the word of God. 
I'm disagreeing with you. And because I'm disagreeing with you, devil, you don't have open door here. And you, can't do, you can do nothing. You can work together. He needs your cooperation. But you don't have to give it to him. And you have to be consistent. Number two is that you have to open your mouth and say what the Bible says. You must, some people just think this is a joke. You have to open your mouth. You must open your mouth and speak the word that the Holy Spirit has given you. You must speak the word of Jesus. It is the word of God that has the power to crush him. It is the testimony of Jesus that can put that, those spirits where they belong. Not your testimony. It is the testimony of Jesus coming out of your mouth as his oracle. And saying, I agree with Jesus. Who has believed our report? I believe the report of the Lord. So the arm of the Lord will be revealed. The power of God will come forth. So the scripture says, in Revelation 12, 11, they conquered him completely. This is TPT. It says, they conquer, we, conquer, we conquer him completely. Completely. Through the blood of the Lamb. And the powerful word of God's testimony, which we give. Some translation, the one King James and others said, as translated, you know, from the Aramaic, it said the Greek also said the word of their testimony. But you know, the word of my testimony cannot be different from the word of God's testimony. Cannot be. So it is the testimony of the Holy Spirit, which I am, I am agreeing with and speaking out, that is light that shines in that darkness. He says it is the faithful testimony of Jesus that has the power to destroy the works of the devil. And it has to come from your mouth because you are his body. So he speaks through you. And he said they triumph because they did not love and cling to their own lives, even when faced with death. Which means there's no room for fear. They, they can't do it. There's no room for fear. They'll try to intimidate you with fear. Try to intimidate you with things. It's not going to work. You must, you must stake out your life. Stake out everything on this. They didn't fear for their life. They were ruggedly committed, standing on what they believed. They say, if I perish, I perish. This word is true. Sometimes it comes to that. Paul said, I'm ready to die for Jesus. Love as fit. Nobody can dissuade me from preaching this thing. If you people like stone me, I will preach. He said, woe is me if I don't preach it. He stood. So we don't give up on our faith and confidence in the word of Christ. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering as he is faithful, I promised. Faithful, I promised. Hebrews 10, 38. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back now, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. We can't draw back. We can't draw back. And so the word that you speak must have the force of conviction and faith in it. That if you don't believe what you are saying, how do you expect the devil to believe it? I mean, if you are talking to somebody and you don't believe it, they will say you are not serious. If you don't believe what you are saying, that it is true, I want you to tell me how you want the devil to believe that thing you are, you are rattling there. Just, just let, let me understand how this works. They are the first to believe it. So they know, man, you believe what you are talking about. If you don't believe it, they won't listen to you. They won't. Look at Matthew, 3, verse, Matthew 4, verse 3. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones to be bread. Remember, Jesus had not eaten 40 days. This is desert. But he answered and said, It is written. That's how you, that's how you, man, you bring the testimony of God. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. He said to the devil, I'm not about to listen to you. I'm not taking instructions from you. I take instructions from God. Let, this, let, let, let me not eat or drink 40 days. I'm not going to eat until my father says, case closed. And you, can, you know the rest of the things how Jesus said, it is written, it is written, 
it is written. That's our example. That's our example. You got to speak it. When the, when the devil came to Jesus and said that Jesus would have kept quiet, just kept quiet like that. No, you have to speak it. Because the word of God is given to be in your mouth, so you speak it up. It's to be in your heart and be in your lips, so you speak it up. You have to. If, if, if you are being attacked by sickness, you, you declare by the stripes of Jesus and you keep saying it and keep saying it. You keep say, the more you say it, the better. Because as you are saying it, you are hearing it. You are saying it to counteract. You are hearing all that thing. So because you, the thing is talking to you, your body is talking to you, people are talking. You can't keep quiet. You need to overwhelm all those things with the word of God. Even in your private moments, you keep saying it over and over and over and over and over and over. You look like crazy, but that's the way it works. Number three is that we must learn to speak to our mountains. These mountains are not from God. They are the hindrances that the devil puts in our way. You've got to learn to speak to them. Again, words. What's your command? John 14, 14. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. He said, whatsoever you shall ask, you shall demand. Everything you demand, he said, I will do it. So that the Father will be glorified through the Son. Mark eleven twenty three. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say, Unto this mountain, you speak to your mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he has said shall come to pass. He shall have whatever he said. If you don't believe it's going to happen, how can the mountain believe? How can he listen to you? How can you don't believe? You want the mountain to believe? It's not going to happen. Faith is revealed by word and action. Second Corinthians four thirteen. We have the spirit of faith, according as it is written. I believe. Therefore, have I spoken? If you believe, say so. If you have it in your heart, let it come out of your mouth. Say, I believe, and therefore I have spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. If you have the spirit of faith, go to say so. Say it. If you can't say it, probably you don't believe it. It's not in your heart. And we're always saying something. We are always saying something. Period. And the other one is exercising authority in the name of Jesus. Mark 16, 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Now, how do we exercise this authority in the name of Jesus? This verse that that we read told us how. But in order to make it simpler, look at Matthew 10, 7. And as you go, preach, preach the gospel. That's number one. That's number one. Preach the gospel. Declare the name of Jesus. Preach the gospel. Preach saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. That's number two. Cleanse the lepers. That's like healing. Raise the dead. That's like healing. Cast out demons if they show up. Freely you have received. God has given you this authority free. So you, give, you use it for people. So it teaches us that to use the name of Jesus, number one is through preaching the, the name of Jesus, declaring Jesus as the Savior, as the Lord. As we declare his name, the power in his name is working. As we declare his name, as we pronounce that he's the Savior, he's the Lord, the power in his name is working. The gospel, the power of God that delivers people. And the gospel is about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And what he did for us to save us, Jude 23. Says, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. See, you, you pull the people out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. You pull people out of the fire. That's a major deliverance from the devil's scheme to destroy their lives. With the gospel, Colossians 1 13, who had delivered us from the power of darkness. You see, 
and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. When did this thing happen? When we listened to the gospel and believed it, the, the gospel set us free. The truth set us free. And we became free from the kingdom of Satan. And we are brought into the kingdom of God. And then we came into Christ Jesus. And now we live in him. We, bec we become sons of God, not sons of the devil. And this is the greatest deliverance there is. Sin no more rules us. We're free from sin. Because whom the son shall set free is free indeed. Because we have new nature. This new nature is the nature of God and the life of God. And sin doesn't control it. We're not in the Adam, Adam lineage again. We're in the line of the family of God. We're not in the line. We're not in Adam. We're in Christ. No more. We're not in Adam. All things are passed away. A great total deliverance. Just by believing the gospel. Again, let me read that Colossians 1.13. Who had delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. How? Through listening to the gospel and believing it's Romans 1.16. For I'm not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work. What does he do? Saving everyone who believes. That's one way we, have, we use the authority to declare we were sent to go preach this gospel. So that people are delivered from the kingdom of darkness where they are serving the devil and the world and brought into the kingdom of God. You know, everyone who believes the Jew first, also the Gentiles, the good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scripture says, it is through faith that the righteous person has life. Now, another way we exercise this authority is by healing. Mark 140. A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. But one, moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him and said, I am willing, he said, be healed. Jesus proclaimed that God is always willing to heal. So it's the will of God to heal because God is no respecter of persons. If he said this to this leper, that's what he's saying to me. That's what he's saying to anybody. So now when we pray for the sick, we are establishing the will of God on earth. That will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are establishing the will of God on earth. Christians must not give up any opportunity to pray for the sick. You don't be fanatical, but you, you will respect, find out if they want you to pray for them. Just pray and go. That's one way to exercise this authority in the name of Jesus. And, and let the healing power of Christ set them free from, the, from this, this despotic oppression of Satan. Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. You see? Despotic activity of demonic spirit. Oppression and bringing sickness, suicidal tendencies, mind control, and all manner of stuff. Even in governments all over the world, causing confusion. That's why the Bible says, if my people, which are called by men, names shall humble themselves, come from their evil ways and begin to pray, God says, I can heal your land. It is the only, only the power of God that can bring good healing to the land. But Christians will do that. They all, they, men, politicians, they join politics and talk, talk, talk politics. And they won't pray. They won't pray. They won't pray. But not, we need to understand that, you know, it's casting out demons again in the name of Jesus is part of the thing. Jesus said, in my name you shall cast out demons. If they show up, if they show up, you have fun. Every child of God should remember that that spirit that showed up is under his feet. That demon. If you like, let him be ruined on the ground and do whatever. He does all these things to intimidate people. <laughs> whatever he's doing, don't worry about all that. Don't walk by sight for the great about it. The fact of the matter is that no matter that, whether they are 100 or 10, they're under your feet, all of them. And they know that. But you should know that too. Look at Paul in Acts 16, 16. And it came to pass as we went to prayer, 
a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us. For if you see them, wow, that opportunity to deal with them. Because Jesus sent us to do that, cast them out. Let us quit brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. See, there are a lot of people who, who give you what they call prophecy. That's correct. That's why it's deceit now. If, if it's not correct, people won't be going. I remember a brother told me how he took his wife from here to, 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 to Africa. From here. Because there's one prophet, they said, it's so powerful. So when they got there, the prophet told, told the wife exactly why he, they came. Told her what she wrote, the paper she has in the bag, and everything. And the woman said, oh, wow, this is the prophet of God. But the brother told me the end result of that was the thing destroyed his family, destroyed his home, destroyed his health. And he came to see me about it. So this is saying, woman, girl 17, the same followed Paul and us crying, saying, these men are the servants of the most high God. See, as the devil tries to confuse, most high God, who should unto us the way of salvation? Is it not what they came for? The devil wants to confuse, and people will say, yeah, this sister and brother Paul are preaching the sentinel. And this, and this, this did she many days. See how you deal with demons. You need to allow the spirit of God to instruct you, guide you. To deal with it. Paul didn't jump that face that started. No, no, he waited. He paused. This did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus, no other name, in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. Why shouldn't he come? Jesus gave us the name to cast them out. That's how Paul did. And when her master saw that the hope of their, their gain was gone, she was, she was no more seeing her divisions. Not, they caught Paul and Silas and threw them in the marketplace. When you speak to the devil, the word must be words of authority. Again, if you don't believe in what you're saying, they will laugh at you. Look at Jesus. Luke 4, 36. And they were all amazed and spake among them, saying, saying, what a word is this? For with authority, for with authority and power, he commanded the unclean spirits and they came out. That's how you do it. There has to be authority in your voice that carries the power there. So they know you, you, you are demanding it on them, they must go. You it's a demand on them, they must leave. It, they, they must go. You don't go there and say, well, I see happy Jesus. You, you have to go. I'm telling you now. They will knock on your head. Look, <laughs> they will knock on your head though. Again, if we do not use this authority, if we don't understand it and believe in it, we just allow the devil to roam around and do what he's doing. Even in your life, in the family. Many people don't even know what the devil is doing in their, in their life. In their family. They don't even know. Because teachings like this, they won't listen. We, you can't run away from me. The Bible says he's roaming around looking for his devil. You encounter the demon, whether you like it or not, you are going to encounter the demon spirit. One word or the other. You will encounter them. And if you're ignorant, I can't help you. I just can't. You know people are ignorant because they want to be ignorant. Something like this, a Christian should be interested to find out. This spirit that the Holy Spirit warned me about, told me to be allowed. I mean, I should study and find out how to deal with him. There's no way I'm not encountering him. Let me even know what he's been doing in my, around my house and in my family. And, you know, people like that, they, everything, they always see things from natural point of view. They have natural explanation for everything. Everything, everything, natural Everything, everything they have natural because I cannot mind it. There are two types of Christians today. <clears throat> want to look at them from the Old Testament and draw some, this, this confrontation reveals to us two types of Christians sitting in every church. First Samuel 17, verse 32. One knows what the weapons of God are and uses them. The other does not know and uses physical weapons and lives in fear and defeat. Always two of them. First Samuel 17, 32. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. And both of them have the same problem. I will go fight him. Look at this first Christian here. They don't believe the clause. Saul replied. 
There is no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. What was Paul Saul looking at? A small 12-year-old boy. He is carnally minded. He sees everything from the natural point of view, not from an eternal point of view. He has no eternal perspective in his head at all. He said, there's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. Yes. People who don't know the weapons of God, they think it's, it's color. They think it's physical. They think it's how you shout. They think it, it's something from... The Bible said these weapons are supplied by God. It doesn't come from you. We're going to deal with it the next Thursday by the grace of God. So he said, there's, there's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. See? Persistent faith. David refused to listen to the devil. Many people have given up here. I say, well, you know, uh, my, our king said. But David persisted, I have been taking care of my fathership and goats. He said, when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the, the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. And if the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and, and club it to death. I have done this to, to both lions and bears. And I will do it to this beggar. Listen, I've been practicing faith in God, sir. I've been living by faith. Listen, I'm used to it. You just shall live by faith. You teach Bible, you teach people, grow your faith, listen to the word of God. They're joking. And when a Philistine shows up, they don't know what to do. Every said, sir, I've been practicing. That's the way I've been living my life. Practice makes perfect. I'm used to it. I've seen God work. God is real. God is true. I've had, I know God by experience. By studying Bible, quoting scripture. No, no, no. I've, I know God as a healer. I've experienced his healing. I know God as a healer, sir. I've seen him heal me. I've seen people heal. I know God as a provider. I know God as the, the Lord, my strength. I've seen his strength in my life crush opposition. I live by faith in him. That's my way of life. That's what this boy was saying. But that says, I have done this to both lions and bears, and I will do it to this beggar. Two, for he has defied, see the perspective of David. He has defied the armies of the living God. king. You are not seen as God sees. Jesus said to Peter, get behind me. You are not seen as God sees Peter. It's a trap the devil sets for people. You are not getting into that. You are not seen, sir, as God sees. Because you don't know him. You don't know him. You don't believe his perspective is the superior one. You don't have confidence in him. You do not know him. If the world has no solution, you, you, you faint. He has defied the armies of the living God. 37, this boy started to give testimony. Oh, Kakupa. The Lord who rescued me from those claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Those who trust in him will never be put to shame. A small boy stood up and testified about the God of Israel. He said he rescued me. I'm not doubting whether he will. He will. These people, they fire, they say, hey, listen, we don't care about this yet. They love not their life today. They didn't care about their life. They say, we don't care about your threat and everything. Our God is able. Telling you about our God. He's able, he will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we don't care about our life. Forget about this, your threat. And make it seven times, we don't care. That's the kind of faith that gets to the devil very quickly. Very quickly. Very, very quickly. And finally, Saul. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said. And then he started religious talk. <laughs> Look at what he said. And may the Lord be with you. <laughs> may the Lord be with you. May the Lord be with you. And after saying that, he went and brought his canal weapon. 
Because he doesn't know the weapons of God. He doesn't know God. He talks about God on the lips. The God he doesn't know. May the Lord be with you. Yeah, if the Lord will be with him, why are you bringing these other ones now? The boy just told you God will do it. He said, okay, the Lord be with you. We, people say things they don't even believe. And then after saying the Lord be with you, verse 38, then Saul gave David his own armor. <laughs> he said, the Lord be with you. That God, that God will, solve, will solve this problem. Let me give you the one I use. And this one has fed him. Has fed him all. He brought a bronze helmet and a coat of more. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, took a step or two to see what it was like, because he's not used to this thing. This was like. For he had never worn such things before. <laughs> this thing doesn't work. I can't go in this. He protested to Saul. I am not used to them. I don't think carnally. I told you what God did. You're giving me this thing. God did it without this thing. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't trust all this. They are, not, they are not the weapons of God. This boy knew God. If you are old boy, knew the weapons of God. Two Christians. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream, put them into his shepherd's bag. Shepherd's bag, very significant. The Lord is my shepherd. Very significant. The Lord, my shepherd, my guide. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling. The Holy Spirit communicates perfectly well. He's showing us the shepherd, shepherd's staff, a staff and a rod, a comfort. And this boy later wrote about the Lord, my shepherd. And sling. He started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath walked out towards David with his shield bearer ahead of him, snaring and content at this ruddy faced boy. That's what some Christians will do. Bro, I'm also a believer. I'm also a believer. This thing won't work. Imagine somebody telling somebody during Corona that I'm trusting the Lord. They say, forget about that thing. And he says he's a Christian. Cause trusting the Lord. Forget about that thing. Cause God that thing. Goes to church to sing. This is another song. When you start walking in faith, many Christians will laugh at you. They say this won't work because they are carnally minded. The eternal perspective don't know. It doesn't make sense to them. The things of God is foolish to people. So Goliath walked out towards David with his shield bearer ahead of him, snaring in content at this ruddy faced boy. Am I a dog? So only this, only this name of Jesus. They didn't call fight. They didn't call it. They only this thing. Am I a dog? He roared at David. Roared. The devil comes as a roaring lion. He roars with symptoms. Roars with situations. Roars with all those things. We, we look at them. He did it to Peter. He brought storm. And the storm roared at Peter. We must understand that this is true. This is what happens. But all of them are under your feet. That's why Paul was praying that God will open our eyes. That when they roar, we know it's under our feet. The roar means nothing. The voice of God breaks us. The word of God is more powerful than the roar of the devil. When he roars, if you don't know God and his word, you buckle and give in. Why did he have to roar? I thought he said he's a small boy. He needed to do that to instill fear. He said uh, he roared at David that you come at me with a stick. And he cursed David by the names of his gods. The battle has set up now. The demonic names are coming up. The devil has names of sicknesses. They will call. The Bible said the spirit of deafness, the spirit of blindness. Will call out those names. He's been doing that. Come over here and I will give your flesh to the birds. And wild animals go out to yell. Well, I thought you were talking to a small boy. Why are you yelling? Then David, who knew the armor and weapon that God supplies, started to talk. David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with the sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven. 
Kakupa. It says the name of the Lord is more powerful than that that you come. The God of the armies of Israel, who you have defied, Goliath, you are dealing with God himself. You do understand? Today, the Lord, who we are defied, all those sicknesses are challenging your faith. They're going to challenge Christ in you. That said, I've healed you, suffered to heal you. They have no idea what they're up against. When you open your mouth and below the word of God in anger against. And lift up the name of Jesus in anger against. He said, today, his Lord, the, the, today, the Lord will conquer you. But you know, for us, they have been conquered already. That's the difference. Jesus conquered them already. Our own is not today. The Lord will conquer you. No, today, today we want to let you know the Lord has conquered you. Because he put you under my feet. And I will kill you, cut off your neck. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the best and white animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Can't they know that Christ is in you? The greater one, the Lord of lords, the King of kings, in his fullness, the kingdom of God is in you. The kingdom of God is in you. And everyone assembled here will know. He's saying there are things they need to know. That the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. The weapons of God are not carnal. They don't come from men. They come from him. He said, I give you authority. It came from him. He said, in my name, it came from him. It came from him, not from men. Anything from men, you, you are sore. Anything from God, act like David. Everyone assembled here, we know that the God, that Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the lost battle. Yes, because Jesus fought it for us. They made the public show of them openly, publicly, and he will give you to us. He has already given them to us. The Bible said he put them at the feet of his church for our benefit. And no more fighting like David. What Goliath has been dealt with. We're at the stage where David destroyed the rat and Israel came for the spoil. Christ has dealt with our Goliath. This is the time to go for the spoil, people. This is the time to go for the spoil, people. This is the time. Arise and fight the fight of faith that God will glorify in Jesus. Let us pray. Precious Father, we want to thank you. Worship you. We glorify your name. For you have defeated the devil. You made a public show of him, dragged him all over for the whole world to see. The church must see it and know. Like David, we should make our boast in the Lord, our God. Like David, we, can, we should rise up and declare the name of Jesus that we sing every time. Declare the power that that name carries, the glory carries, the glory of heaven, the power of heaven, the, all the authority of the divine God is vested in his name. So we can rise in expectation, in faith, and put the armies of the devil, all the devil army of the devil to, the, to run. Put them where they belong. They flee from us. Every sickness flees from you. All of them flee in agony. Lord, wake up your church in knowledge so they know, they know the weapons of God and know power it has so that we live in glory, so that we live in glory. In Jesus' name we pray.